Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and today I'm bringing you another one of those mini-episodes. Just the other day, myself along with my co-hosts Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farver spoke with director Kevin Lewis, who's celebrating the release of his latest film, Willie's Wonderland. If you've been following The Playlist, you might have seen my review for the film, which stars Nick Cage as a silent man simply called The Janitor, who is stuck in the backwoods town where he is forced to clean up a rundown themed restaurant called... Willy's Wonderland. But what he doesn't know is that the animatronic mascots are secretly possessed by evil spirits and are on the hunt to kill him. Yes, from that description, you may think this film is completely bonkers and you're absolutely not wrong. But what makes Willy's Wonderland so much fun is the heart that is put into the film. And you have to credit a good amount of that heart to filmmaker Kevin Lewis. As you'll find out in our discussion, he's a true fan of films and genre films in particular, citing Sam Raimi as one of his biggest influences, and the joy and love he has for nutso horror films, especially from the 80s, comes through in Willy's Wonderland in spades. Also, it's worth noting, and he speaks about it at length, Lewis recently battled COVID and nearly lost his life just a mere two weeks before the film was released. As you might imagine, his story is pretty startling and emotional. But don't worry, he also talks a lot about Nick Cage and just how cagey is too cagey. The short answer is there's never too much caginess, FYI. But before I throw it to the interview, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Discourse, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. So I hope you enjoy our chat with Willie's Wonderland filmmaker Kevin Lewis as he talks about the production of one of the craziest films in 2021, what it's like working with a completely silent Nick Cage, and how COVID is definitely no joke. Enjoy. I want to welcome filmmaker Kevin Lewis to the Playlist Podcast. Thanks for joining us and talking about Willie's Wonderland. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I want to start by uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit and telling a, a quick story here in regards to Willie's Wonderland. Back when the film was announced in 2019, the logline was basically Nick Cage fights animatronics in a decrepit Chuck E. Cheese. And I wrote about how amazing that premise sounded and how it could be like a great movie. And Geo Parsons emailed me and he said, hey, thanks for talking about it. Just so you know, this movie is, is nuts. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> So fast forward a year and a half later, I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking, holy shit, Geo mm -hmm. Parsons wasn't wrong. This movie's nuts <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> um, so That's all awesome. That to, yeah. So all that to ask, uh, when you're reading this script for the first time, are you at all mm -hmm. hesitant about attempting to bring this to life? And was there a part of you that was worried there's no way you could accurately translate like this film version of Jolt Cola to the screen, <laughs> you know? Uh, so the short answer would be hell's no. <laughs> I mean, I, I read Gio's script and loved it. And I saw vintage, I saw comic books. I'm a huge comic book collector. I collect still Star Wars figures, Sideshow, Hot Toys, all that fun stuff. 
and I saw it all. I saw it. I saw Evil Dead, one of my favorite movies. Sam Raimi is my favorite filmmaker. I saw fun. You know, I saw just 80s horror uh, that I grew up in the era 80s. And uh, I loved the script. And I was like, I, I can do this. This is going to be great. It was so, I felt original and different. It took chances, you know, having a character who doesn't speak, you know, <laughs> um, that, you know, you, you got to do, you got to, uh, you got to figure out, okay, you know, how, how am I going to shoot this to make it interesting, you know, and everything. And when I read the script, I was like, it just all came there. And I was so excited. Uh, Jeremy Daniel Davis, the producer, he optioned it from Geo. And it's an interesting, actually a real fun story that uh, his wife, Jessica, who played Siren Sarah in the movie, she took a, a acting class with Geo. And so she was the one that originally found the script and brought it to Jeremy. And then <laughs> Jeremy read it, liked it, loved it, and then brought it to me. And then we partnered up on it. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's really cool. And she does such a great job in the movie, you know. And uh, so anyways, yeah, Gio wrote a great script. It was just fun and exciting and different and unique, all those things. And immediately I was like, I, I got to make this movie. You know, I was on, you know, it's funny because people go, gosh, you haven't directed for so many years, you know. And it's like, I, guys, I was on four or five projects, some really cool projects. I, one project I had Mads Mikkelsen wanting to do it. This was even before he won the Cannes Award, you know, and uh, before he even was uh, off uh, when he did uh, Doctor Strange and all that. I mean, I, I was on some really cool projects. I uh, was on a project going to shoot in Korea uh and stuff and you know in the film industry you know sometimes the movie gods they just don't click you know sometimes financing doesn't come through that's why when you see some of these independent films and you see it you know on you know john Gotti, Gotti, it's like 50 producers or something it's like it's just crazy right everybody brings a little piece or whatever and so um i was working on a bunch of cool projects but when i saw willies i was like we have to get this movie made this this is a must and uh, Nick was the only one in our mind that was that was the janitor, you know. I mean, just knew it. I knew in my heart, man. I just knew he he would love this script. He takes chances. He's like a genre to himself, right? He you is see Nick Cage. Yeah. He's just like, you know, he's just amazing. And uh, so yeah, I was. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep going on about it. No, I, no. I was just so excited about this project and. Like, you know, I, I'm a fanboy, man, you know, and I'm sure you guys are too. And I just want to make a movie for us. You yeah. know, I really you are, did. you are amongst fanboys for sure. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I know that you, you said you had Nick Cage in mind and like, mm -hmm. what was the process of like getting him involved? Did you, did you trick him somehow by saying, <laughs> you pay him a thousand dollars per word of dialogue? And That's was there funny. any temptation to have him say one word? during the end or was that never on the table? So, well, you know, we got a casting director that helped us out and we got to Nick's manager, Mike Nylon, who was amazing. Mike Nylon is just a fantastic guy. Uh, he really believed in the project and was a champion of the project and he brought it to Nick and uh, Nick loved the script and felt the same way. So that's great. So now we have Nick. So then basically uh, uh, when we start shooting the movie, Okay, so in Geo's script, 
there was one line at the end of the the movie right before he's about to do the beat down with willie right mm -hmm. one one line and i was like okay we have to make this line iconic and how do you make a line iconic until it comes out and people love it and then it becomes iconic right so it's like mm -hmm. you know you're it's like a balancing act and this was a very i called it like a tightrope film because it's like it could have gone either way man it could have gone real cheese ball and just terrible you know or the other way and uh so anyway so the line I, you know we really struggled with the line the whole time we were making the movie in in pre-production or prep and, and pre-production and and then I talked with talking to Nick and I love what Nick said. He said, I don't feel like the janitor has to talk unless he needs to, and he doesn't have to talk. And I was like, that's great. So I was like, let's, let's get rid of the line, you know? So that's why it's kind of cool. So when he comes out, I do this kind of push in and I was like, okay, guys, here's the line. Here's groovy. Here's Yoshi bitch. Let's go. Right. Like here's, here's, I was going to think birthday time. Okay. Something and he says nothing. <laughs> I just think that's cool. Yeah. And Nick did too. And so Nick was really channeled like Charles Bronson from Once Upon a Time in the West. That's one of his favorite movies. And uh, we talked a lot about that and like Bahala Rising with Maz. Um, great movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Nicholas Renfin is just awesome. Drive is one of my favorite movies. Uh, Drive's a movie that just. Talk about a silent drives. character. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's so good in that movie, and um, and Albert Brooks and everything, and just the style, uh, you know, Nicholas Renfin, Darren Aronofsky, Danny Boyle, and Sam Raimi—they're the juice that just keeps me wanting to make films. You know, they just inspire me so much. When the you know the punch pop, if you the will. punch pop, the punch <laughs> pop, absolutely. And you know, it's like movie making's hard, guys. It's very hard. Yeah. You know, there were times that I, mean, I don't think Willie's was going to happen. Funny story. Uh, I mean, we were trying to get it set up with another company and it, it didn't work out. And I had a, I had my Raiders of the Lost Ark bin and I like put the script in and the, the shot list and everything in. And I put it up in my attic, the Raiders of the Lost Ark attic, like the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. And I just shoved it to the side. Cause I was like, well, there goes another one. And uh, finally things clicked. And uh, I got up in the attic and pulled it out. My wife goes, oh, no, you're going back in. I'm like, yeah, man, the movie <laughs> looks like it's going to happen, you know? So it was exciting because, you know, like I said, man, you know, I've been in this industry a long time. There's been a lot of heartbreak. I've been close to the brass ring on so many projects. I mean, you know, back in the day when I was in college, I had Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst attached to a script that I wrote that I was going to direct. I was interning for John McTiernan at the time, and his wife was going to uh, produce uh, the movie Spider Man. And that was before. That no, was before Spider Man. <laughs> it was before. It was before Spider Man. Yeah, that's you know. Awesome. So it's just you know, and it was just so cool that this movie clicked, and then we got to make the movie that we really set out to make. You know, yeah. um, we had twenty days. So what I did was I shot listed every every shot of the movie. It was a 70 page shot list. And it wasn't a movie I knew that we were going to go and go, okay, what are we feeling like today? Okay, let's just do, let's do a rehearsal. No, it was camera here, Dutch here. You know, um, my, my DP and I, Dave Newbert, which he's amazing. 
um, we wanted to do, you know, rage cage or cage rage. And so we did like the 18 frames per second and shake the camera. And then we took like uh, flashlights into the lens. So the lens flare. So we just wanted it like different. I call it like the Popeye moment, right? right. When Popeye eats the spinach. And if I had had a lot of money <laughs> and time, it'd probably been more of a CG thing, but I would have loved to like zoom in on the muscles and like zoom into the, you know, and then have the punch pop go to the heart and then come out the <laughs> muscles bold, right? Like, I like the scenes these... in Fast and Furious when they hit the NOS button. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. That, that would be really cool to do. But of course, you know, then you go, I got 20 days, that ain't gonna happen. So, um, that's Plus you got Nick did. Cage there, you know, yeah. and, and he'll sell it as good as any CG. Oh man, do it. It, it, he's just so awesome. You know, yeah. it was cool, guys, the uh, first day of shooting. So the first day of shooting, we shot the end, him giving the punch pop to live. That was like the first shot of the movie. And so the first day was like the driving stuff. And uh, I'll never forget, I did that master of, of him coming out of the car and stuff. And I was like, oh, it looks so great, Nick, you know. And he's like, well, Kevin, we're in it now. And I was like, we are. <laughs> That's you know? awesome. It's just, I mean, it's kind of a great guy. Yeah, it's kind of like foreboding a little, but also kind of yeah. exciting. You know, yeah. we're yeah. in it now. No going yeah, back. Yeah, we are. Well, it's cool too. Like, and then as as we as the clock ticked down, because okay, so we only had like one animatronic suit for uh, all the creatures, and then Ozzy was a puppet. But um, as the clock ticked down, he'd always go. You know, once he took out one, like Ozzy was the first, he'd say, "Well, uh, that's uh, one down, seven to go." You know, and we would just take out, you know, four, you know, four down, four to go. And it was just cool. There's a lot of discussion that's rounded Nick Cage's screen presence over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the same guy that won an Oscar and, and turned in some really amazing, you know, dramatic performances. But he's also the guy who, like, made eating peaches utterly like a stomach turning experience and face off yeah. or yelling his underpants yeah. and Mandy or chugging punch pop and dancing at a pinball machine in here. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, the mystique is kind of legend. Is that warranted? Is he always just kind of like, wow, that, that is a crazy Nick Cage right there. You know, it's interesting. Cause uh, I was telling him, you know, uh, Nick, I, I only can do two to three takes and I have to move on. Um, and of course he knows that we're doing a movie in 20 days, but I was just telling him and, uh, he's like, well, Kevin, I, I like to get it in one. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. That's just cool. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <laughs> as a filmmaker though, you go like, God, okay, I got one. I, I, I gotta get a second one at least. Right. But with Nick, what's cool with Nick is that what I felt is that he gives you, he gave me one and he gave me kind of the script. But then you get two and three and four and five and you get Nick Cage. I could have been there all day, guys, shooting stuff. And it would have gone, it would have gone cagier and cagier. And the movie would have been cooler and cooler. The problem is I'd have a short film because I wouldn't have yeah. finished the movie. You know, but you know? I would have watched I would have watched 20 minutes of him progressively dancing at a pinball machine. <laughs> yeah. Wilder and wilder. Oh though. yeah. It was great. You know, it was cool that day uh, when he did that scene, uh, the crew just clapped and was so excited and I told him that night, I said, man, Nick, what you did today, it's just, that's why we make movies. You know, that's why we do it. You know, that's awesome. It really awesome. is. Yeah. So yeah. 
You mentioned this a little earlier, but tone is such a huge part of any film, no matter the genre. But when you're dealing yeah. with like horror comedy, like the right tone can make or break a movie. Uh, yeah. You said it could go cheese ball, it could go great. Yep. And yep. you have a premise like Willy's Wonderland, which is just begging to go cheese ball. And yeah. uh, it's absurd, it's silly. Did you ever struggle to find that mix of laughs, scares, gore, seriousness? Or were you just like, you know, fuck it, let's go balls out and trust that everybody's going to get this? Fuck it. <laughs> uh, what, what I liked about doing, so one of the things was I wanted the actors to play it serious. I didn't want to yeah. wink to the camera or anything. I wanted them to play, this is the serious going on. I mean, isn't Beth Grant great? You know, like, yeah. and, and, and David and all those guys, like, and the, the kids, like, I just wanted them to play serious. And then it was about, okay, how we're shooting the movie. And like, we, we do like a Dutch angle and it's like, is this too much? And I would say, man, we're, it's Nick Cage versus an animatronic weasel. When <laughs> nothing's too much, right? Yes. That was that was what was cool about making this movie because I never second guessed myself. I was just like balls to the wall, man. It's it's called Willie's Wonderland. I love these critics too. You read some of these critical reviews, you know, and it's like they're just going off on. It's like, dude, it's called Willie's Wonderland, man. I mean, that that's the movie. You know what you're getting with a title, you know, and yeah. If you ain't down for that, it's it's all good. There's plenty of stuff to stream and watch and everything, but that's the movie we're making. And I wanted to have flavor and that was the flavor, you know? Um, and so we never veered from that, man. You know, I just, uh, I never, I never veered from that. The shot list was like my, I call it the Willie's Bible, <laughs> but it was just great because I tell you guys out of that movie, I'm thinking it was about 80 to 85% of that shot list I got. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. In 20 days. That's great. In 20 days. Yeah. Crazy. Grueling. Yeah. Grueling. Grueling. Uh, <laughs> so at this point, is it safe to say that, you know, Willy, Willy's Wonderland has been franchised out and the janitor's going from place to place, taking them down? Or I guess basically what I'm trying to say is, you know, we'll happily write the sequel and you know, <laughs> it's awesome that's so awesome yeah, yeah. and if yeah. he moves to another like nostalgic look type location can it just yeah. be him like cleaning up old crappy like blockbuster blockbuster you know, yeah <laughs> like a blockbuster yeah. video with possessed yeah. cardboard cutouts because that'd be a ah, that's cool well that's okay so now we used your idea you guys you know you guys are producers congratulations yep, that's it done you, you made know? it uh, uh, join the next, you know, 40 of them, but, uh, no, uh, uh, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting that people yeah. want a sequel. And I think that there's many great stories for the janitor. You know, I, I vision, I know it's crazy, but you know, you know, we, we love comic books and these movies stuff. Like no one ever really dies. It's like, I vision like a Frankenstein Willie, like one eyeball here and one like he's just patched up together and maybe do like an assault on precinct 13 where like the janitor gets, gets in the jail or something and they, they attack. A, That's amazing. Or, I don't know. Do some John Carper or something cool like that. You know? Yeah. I don't know, man. There's so many, I'm also picturing Mad Max, like the janitor, like Mad Max style. <laughs> a friend of mine is funny. He sent me this huge text and it was like Willie's Wonder World and he's like the janitor's got C4 and pipe bombs in his car <laughs> doing Mad Max I was like hell yeah man I'm down for that so that um nice I would love it if Nick wanted to do it I would love it if Nick you know said yeah I'm down for that and I think maybe he would hopefully uh 
I love it that the fans are already talking about that. That's just cool. You know? Yeah. Well, um, it leaves so pure, many questions man. open. Yeah. yeah because yeah, like, does. there's so many questions you have by the end with, with Nick's character. You're like, I almost want her to get to know him really well and, yeah. and just answer these yeah. questions for us. Because I almost, I almost want like a lone wolf and cubs sort of situation, like Mandalorian <laughs> yeah. where these two are just going yeah. off on adventures. Like that's just amazing. How, how good is Mandalorian? I mean, <laughs> John Favreau, man. Yeah. Incredible. Right. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. No, I, I would love to do, I would love to do a sequel to Willie's. That it would be great. Yeah. It would be great, but we have to find the right script, the right story. You just got to make it work, you know, but I love that the fans are just digging it. It's Sounds like you got like three awesome. or four solid ideas right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we'll see. Kind of piggybacking on that. I mean, I know Willie's was, is your first feature. You mentioned this before in a while since I think 2007 yeah. and long you know, time. Yeah. You know? In the grand scheme, 14 years, not a huge amount of time, but like in Hollywood, <laughs> that's like, that's like multiple lifetimes. Like Nick was still in Ghostwriter back then. And like in terms yeah. of filmmaking and the yeah. industry, like what's the biggest change that you've seen over that time? Like as you've looked at everything, what's the biggest thing you've seen change? That's a really good question. Um, you know, it's cool. Like all my movies I shot pretty much like on 35 film, you know, I did a movie called The Drop and I used the Panasonic when the digital just started. It's cool because I was I remember going to uh, uh, Phantom Menace. And it was the first like DLP presentation, you know, and it was like, wow, it's this, this is all different world, you know, a lot of things have changed. I mean, you can make a shoot a movie on an iPhone. You know, I went to film school in USC. We, 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 we cut gun smoke episodes in super eight. We shot super eight for our, you know, uh, films. And, and it's like, you know, now you're, you're shooting a movie on an iPhone. The technology is there for everyone, you know, which is really cool. If you want to go make movies, you can go make movies. You want to make a short film? You can go make a short film. I also love it. I mean, look, I I, I love Siskel and Ebert as a kid, and and of course uh, Ebert and Roper and all that. But you guys are the new Ebert and Roper, you know? Oh the, no, the, the, no! The put that on the no. And... Put that on the page. Put that on the page. <laughs> I sat by Roper at a okay, screening once, Roper. and that's as close as I'll ever get to that. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, in Chicago. You? Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not Ebert Roper, but it's power <laughs> to the people. It's yeah. power to the fans. In fact, can I read you guys a text? Yeah. Yeah. From Molly Coffey, who um, was the production designer on, on Willie's. And she did just an amazing job, her team, uh, Lauren and Ren. It was just so great how we, you know, d- developed the sets and, and everything. She had a lot to do with the, with the look of, of Willie's. And she just sent me this text today. I did pity the person who actually had to clean that up, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was interesting because when we shot, it was, uh, we'd have to shoot it uh, clean and then dirty it up. Right. And so, the, the you know, poor Griff, the first AD, because he was working on the schedule and it's like, Willie's clean, Willie's dirty, Willie's clean, you know, and then uh, I, I needed one shot when it was dirty and they were they're trashing the thing. I'm like, we got to get the camera there. We got to get one shot, you know, and it was the shot of the mirror when he wipes it yeah. off when he hears them sing and it's like that is an important part in the narrative yeah you know and so it was crazy guys going back and forth of clean dirty you know um but here i want to read you a text i just love it and this she said she said you're living in a different world when the geeks are let out to play hell yeah (laughs) isn't that a great text yes that's how and that's how i feel man you know like 
you know, every, you know, everybody has an opinion now and a voice. And I think it's great. You know, I remember back in the day interning for the, I interned for Rennie Harlan and I interned for John McTiernan. I interned for Rennie Harlan when he was doing Cutthroat Island and John McTiernan Last Action Hero. So I was probably bad luck. But uh, uh, I remember, man, it was like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, LA Times, and New York Times. And then those came in and you would just be on pins and needles. And that was it. And if they get bad, if you got bad reviews, it was like someone died in the office. You know, and that's not the case anymore, man. You know, no, these um, movies are getting like 350 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. It's, it's, yeah, variety is just a small drop. I mean, they're, yeah. they're good, but you know, yeah, sure. Yeah, they're, cl- they're classy, you know, that small, but yeah, I mean, it's power to the people. And just to see, you know, I, I read a review like a, a mother and her, her kid watched Willie's and loved it so much. It was a great bonding experience. They watched it again. I, I, have, I have four kids, you know. Watching my kids, I have two teenagers help me, and I got two, two uh, younger kids, five and seven. But my two teenagers are doing watch parties with thirty of their friends. The other, you know, and my and my my two little guys, they, they love the creatures so much. They're always drawing the creatures and showing me, and it's cool. But you know, to see my kids do watch parties on a movie I directed, these are the movies I want to make, man. You know, yeah, man, it's That's... just cool, and to have people feel happy and just joyful and this terrible COVID crap that we're living with and political stuff that's going on to just check your brain at the door. I'm sorry. I I think people need more of it, you know? Yeah. I want to give it to them, you know? And, and switching gears to that exact point, um, I yeah. think it's important also uh, in your story in particular to talk a little bit about your recent health scare. Huh. You wrote an essay yeah. at IndieWire where you detailed your struggle with COVID. And yeah. there are folks that are able to get by with like little to no symptoms and complain about like a lack of smell and taste. But your story yeah. with dealing with COVID was very different. Uh, you were in you were yeah. on life support in the ICU just two weeks before yep like you said, like one of the biggest films of your career was about to be released. So what has this past month been like for you? And does the COVID scare make all of this like Willy's Wonderland love like even sweeter? Um, Well, to answer the first one, hell. Yeah. Mm. It's been been hell, guys. And uh, it's made everything sweeter. I I was very close of not being here. And uh, you never know, man, when that's going to happen. I've never had health problems in my life. I've been, you know, never, I've never broken a bone, you know, and I mean, I played sports and things as kids. I mean, I, this thing kicked my ass big time. And uh, there were, there were, there were moments where I just, I didn't know if I was going to make it. And that's why I say in that, that piece, you know, about the table, it was true. I saw the table and, you know, it's tough, you know, cause being a dad, you want to be strong. You know, my son's 16 and daughter's 15 and my little guys. And, and then, but I'm, I'm having, going to have a conversation with them about if I'm not here, will they have to help with their mother? My mom's 90, you know, I mean, all that stuff going through your head. And I reached out to people. I was taught, people reached out to me. I haven't spoken to, they talked to my friends since elementary school. And I just told them I loved them. I told them a, I told them a story of, of like what I remember uh, we doing. Like one of my friends, uh, this, uh, uh, we had a, sh- a showbiz pizza party when we were kids and he, he took the chilies and he dumped it into Pepsi. Oh and uh, <laughs> I, 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 and uh, I wanted to put that in the movie. 
of course, with a commercial or stuff that was quite can't find it. I couldn't find the time, but I was like, uh, I told him that, you know, I just told him I loved him. And I'll tell you guys, being honest and vulnerable when you're vulnerable and exposed, but telling people the truth about how you care about them, how you feel about them. And even if now, you know, you're doing fine, it was just such a, a wonderful thing for me. It was my punch pop. And yeah. like I say, it really was, you know, and maybe I'm a sappy guy. Maybe I'm wearing my emotions on my sleeve. I'm, I'm sure all that stuff, but I, I really, I had to do it, you know, and I had to just tell people what I really, really thought family member, everything, you know, and, uh, and then just really work hard. You know, there's a lot of people in the hospital, the doctors and nurses said that uh, they don't do what they're told, you know, and uh, I, in that piece, I talked about the uh, IV specialist that did the IVs for me. And he was telling me about his uh, father-in-law, Gary. And uh, Gary didn't do what he was told. Gary wanted to get out with his girlfriend. Gary didn't believe in COVID. Gary uh, said it, uh, he, he was a heavy smoker drinker. He didn't make it to the end of the hospital where he passed away. And that's when he said, hey, uh, uh, you need to do what they tell you, Kevin. And uh, he said, can I pray for you? And when someone asks if they can pray for you, which is a beautiful thing, prayers are amazing, but you know you're in trouble. Yeah, that's some serious and, stuff. And when I heard like, I heard nurses, when you can also hear people talk about you, but you can't do anything, you know what I mean? And so like hearing like only, uh, nurse said only, he can count on only two hands who makes it out of ICU alive. And I'm wow. there and I'm yeah. thinking, am I going to be one of those fingers, you know? And then I got my next door neighbor here, uh, Ronald, who I think 80 and he was on life support. And then you're hearing his family and friends on FaceTime, his son telling him and showing his grandkids and his sister telling him, uh, you've been always a great brother to me, you know, man, it just gets you. And then, yeah. you know, you, you think to yourself, you know, he may not make it. And I was telling him to fight. He can't even hear me, of course. And then it's like, you, then when I did make it and the doctor said, you did win the Super Bowl, <laughs> I felt guilty guys. Yeah. yeah. Ronald, you know, yeah, he may not make it. You did know? you tell them though, that you had a Nick Cage movie coming out and it was really <laughs> important that you get out of the guys, hospital in time? Guys, I got to tell you, that's so cool. I had ER doctors. I had nurses from other things coming in to see the trailer and <laughs> awesome. it was so cool, dude. Uh, I got, I got to do a shout out to Mason. He was a nurse that helped me out. He's a great guy. And he's like, Kev, I got two buddies that are so pumped for the movie. They didn't even know that you directed it. They're like, they're just going crazy, you know? And so it was cool. Like people already knew about the movie, but it'd be like, uh, okay, here you go. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to give you your, uh, IV and your your blood injections and everything. I was like, hey, you want to see my trailer? You know, <laughs> and uh, it was just that really got me by a yeah, lot. I've been that. Really cool. Yeah, and dude, you know, you guys. I, at night, I, I was thinking of the janitor just beating the shit out of Willie in the Technicolor rainbow of uh, confetti. Yeah, and uh, I just kept thinking about that, and I was like, you know, I've got, I've got to fight this. I got to do. I got to do it. So That's awesome. I'm here, guys. And I, yeah. I love talking to you guys. Yeah. 
So you've survived this this life-threatening illness. You made what might be the craziest film of 2021. (laughs) Uh, And I say that with love. Uh, How the hell are you going to top this? What's next for you? Do you have like this, Mm. you know, hard-hitting family drama? Do you you go full? Do you, you know, (laughs) what do you do? What do you do next? Like I said, you know, I I love genre movies. Seeing my kids doing the watch parties. These are the movies I want to make. I've got a killer Halloween project i think it could be a really cool like halloween movie for everybody um and it's kind of a throwback to the amblin days Ooh, but nice. with 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 a good edge to it you know so i'm working on that i also got a another really kind of a cool uh action horror script that i'm working on um so i've got some good good stuff cooking you know yeah. That's awesome. I I, yeah. I really look forward. You mentioned Amblin. I remember the days when you were allowed to be scary in a kids movie, and I'm yeah. all about those. So yeah. Monster know, Squad, yeah. whatever we can do to faves. help that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to thank you, Kevin Lewis, for joining us. It's been a fantastic discussion, and everybody, go watch Willy's Wonderland. You can see it everywhere. Um, it's really crazy and awesome, and a lot of fun. And arguably the best theme song to hit a movie in a long, long time. Um, oh yeah. Shout out to Emwa on that one. Emwa yeah. did all the music and he did the voice of Willie. How cool is that? That nice. is really cool. Yeah. I just, uh, I remember the credits roll and normally, you know, you turn off the movie at the credits or I do at least. I'm yeah. lazy. And that song played and I'm like, oh my God, I got to sit and listen. Like it demands my attention. That's so. yeah, great. That's yeah. so awesome. You guys. Yeah. It's great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. And uh, we look forward to seeing what you got next. Thank you. Have a good one. Sounds good. You guys take care. Likewise. You too, man. You as well. You as well. All right. Take care.